This is a 1984 Flyer Die podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to episode seven of the 1984 Fly Dial Podcast. I am your host, Mike Bayonne, aka the future of the funk. Yes, the future of the funk. Where did I get that name from? I jacked it from LL Cool J. I was just sitting here today thinking about all the topics I wanted to discuss, things I wanted to cover. And all of a sudden, this that phrase, future of the funk, popped in my head. And I said, you know what? That would be an excellent moniker for me to go by. So I got on social media, well, Twitter. You know, I switched my name around. I'm like, yeah, future of the funk. Yeah, it's going to make me sound cool, sound badass, you know. The kids going to love it, you know. But, yeah, so today is December 4th which is a uh, a rather important day in hip-hop because today is Jay-Z's birthday. That's right. Sean Corey Carter has turned 48 years old, or in this case, 48 years young because he's out there. You know, his album just came out this year. He's still touring. Like, the guy is still pushing it and he's still doing amazing things. So, shout out to Hove. Also, on his date, we lost... Um, Pimp C, Chad Butler of the group UGK, Underground Kings, Port Arthur's own, shot to Texas. He died on this day in 2007, and there are so many MCs and artists that he has influenced over the years. I wasn't really the biggest like Pimp C fan, I was more so a fan of Bun B, but you know, respect is given where respect is due. So shout out to him. Also, this day is important for my personal life. That's right. On this very day, on in 2003, December 4th, after a gospel concert, I lost my virginity on a bunk bed at my college dorm room. God damn it. That's right. That's right. And you know what I got to say for that? The sad part is, it's like, I remember her name. I remember how it all went down. But I can't remember her face to save my life. And that's probably a very, very horrible thing to admit. But it's real life. And, hey, man, that was 2003, 14 years ago. A lot of things have happened since then. Um, a lot of women have happened since then. I'm not saying I'm a player, but it is what it is. But since we're on that note about the uh, ladies, um, there's something that's been on my mind with all this stuff that's been going on in Hollywood and with uh, in government. You know, with powerful guys taking advantage of women, whether it be rape or other forms of sexual assault. 
as a guy, I realized that I had to be vigilant in checking myself. Very vigilant in checking myself. I wrote a post on Facebook the other day saying that whenever I have a son, which is going to be years from now, you know, everybody's trying to rush me to have a kid now. I'm like, yo, take it easy, please. Have a seat. Let me live my life, man. Let me do my thing out here. Come on. But anyway, um, I said on Facebook that whenever I do have a son, I want my son to be a protector and not a predator. I say it again. I want my son to be a protector and not a predator. Because there's so many different instances that I've been seeing in the news of guys just taking advantage of women and like just doing all types of vile things. The things that I read about, things I've heard about, you know. And I heard a story from a friend of mine, and I'm not going to put her out there like that because I'm not going to do that. That's, that's a whole other can of worms. But she recently told me a story about um, an incident that she survived. And I can't see myself putting out, you know, my son into a world where he's not properly, you know, informed or, sorry, properly educated about how to treat women. Women are our equals. I don't care what the old school cats may say, what other guys may say, women are our equals. And people who are equals, we have to give them our respect. You know, the golden rule, you know, you treat others how you want to be treated. And, you know, I, I just can't be, I just can't be idle and see all this stuff and not do anything about it. So if I ever raise a son, it's like I want him to know that, listen, sexual assault is not okay. Rape, not okay. All the things that people, I kind of, some of the misogynistic things that you see people talk about ain't cool. It's very cool to respect women. It's very cool to, to love women. It's very cool to understand women. It's very, like, there's nothing wrong with having a feminine side. You know, like, in terms of you don't got to be with this hard, tough dude all the time, like, or at all. You can be yourself. You know, it's, it's a lot of things that we as men have been taught, a lot of things that have been grafted upon us from previous generations, and we think we have to carry on that torch, and we don't. There's nothing wrong with expressing our emotions. It's, just, it's so many different things that are kind of tied into that. Even from my own personal experiences, you know, because I had, like, back to the point of me checking myself, it was like, I remember going under the idea of, like, yo, in order for me to be with these girls, I had to be the nice guy. Like, almost Steve Urkel-like. And that shit is not real. That shit is, no. Not at all. That's, that's just as bad as being one of these, like, being one of these asshole dudes. You know? Like, you can be a good person without being a nice guy. And that's my whole motto. It's like, because a lot of nice guys, they do it for the sake of, like, they do it for the sake of getting something out of it. But they're not nice because as part of their behavior. They think, though, yeah, if I'm nice, 
that would be an easy way for me to get what I want to get. And that's not the way to go. At all. At all. So I figured, like, listen. Because a lot of times I was talking to another female friend of mine, and she mentioned about how she didn't trust, you know, the male feminist or guys who, you know, who screened up and down. I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist because they were just as foul as the guys that were misogynists because they were using their position or trying to use, you know, that title to get women. Not caring about the issues, not caring about the feelings, what their actual struggles were. They just wanted to use their title to get in where they fit in. You know, and like, I've gotten to an age in my life where I'm not pressed for that. You know, like I'm not pressed to try to chase women down for pussy missions. That's right, I said pussy missions. Because this doesn't make any sense to me to be that way. You know, I feel like if I can be honest and I can be me and be chill, I'll, I'll attract the right kind of woman or the right kind of energy that I want to have around me. I don't need to have the, I don't need to go, you know, all out horn dog just because I think that's what needs to be done. But nah, like a lot of guys, we got to fall back. We got to chill. And just, just respect the space that's there. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Because when I was a, a young guy, me and my cousin used to hang on South Street. We used to hang on South Street probably about, I want to say 2000, no, 2001, 2002. Yeah, that was really the time because I was like a junior and senior in high school. And we would post up on South Street probably around 4th or 5th, find a stoop, and just post there. Women would pass us. We wouldn't say jack shit. We would just stand there like mannequins looking at these girls like, damn, she's fine. Damn, she's fine. Damn, she's fine. We wouldn't do nothing. I don't know. We were just, we were both shy guys. And we weren't really like trying to like, we weren't trying to get dumped on. You know what I'm saying? Like we were, we both of us had a fear of rejection. I can speak for myself. He may say something different if you ask him, but I'm sure it was it was the same thing, but so you had us guys who had a fear of rejection who wouldn't say jack shit. Then you had guys across the street who saw girls like, "Hey yo, hey yo, gray sweatpants, hey yo, hey girl, what's up, what's up? Oh, you don't hear me? You don't hear me? What? Oh, fuck you too, bitch. I'm and you, you ugly anyway. Like, dude." You don't know how many times I've seen guys have their pride hurt and they will resort to being like crazy abusive with their language. It even happens to this day. Like you have guys who don't know how to take rejection well. And you see it in the news. You see certain dudes who have like killed women in bars or attack women on the street. Like I'm not even like, I wish I was coming up with some kind of bizarre Extra, st- extra story just to, you know, push along some kind of crazy narrative. But no, this is real shit. You can see it in the newspapers. You can see it on TV. You can ask your homegirls about it. I bet you right now, if you go ask one of your homegirls, like, yo, ever been sexually harassed? Or has everybody, anybody ever, like, threatened you because you wouldn't give them the time of day? I can give, I can guarantee you 
that they would have that kind of a story. You know? It's wild, but it's the times we live in. So fathers with sons out there, treat them correctly, teach them correctly, so that once they go outside into the, in the outside world, they're not dealing with, you know, their own insecurities and their own issues of pride when they deal with women. Respect is everything. Love is everything. Equality is everything. You know. Yeah, so listen, I love using that damn bomb. I love that shit. I hope Flex doesn't like sue me or like just starts talking all crazy about me on New York radio. You know how he does. Look, fam. I don't know who this guy is in Philadelphia using my bombs. Bomb funk flex, fam. New York City. That's enough. But you get my point. So, I had all these different titles for this podcast. And because I have a, a couple dope guests um, I'll be talking to next week. So, this episode is kind of like a kick around episode, but at the same time, it's still me it's discussing things. So, again, today is December 4th. I know I say it mentioned this date because I know I'm late with this, but I couldn't mention this on my last podcast because my last podcast was about like dealing with self love and healing. So I couldn't just mention this point about like the whole Mason Cam joint that happened. But look, when it happened, I was excited because I I love I love Mace. I'm a big Mace fan. I don't care what anybody says about it about me. You know, call him Pastor Mace, whatever. But just know that when Sun dropped the Oracle, from start to finish, it was fire. Complete fire. And I was just happy that he did that. You know, I was like, yo, man, he was, he did what he had to do. Because I'm sure he was sitting somewhere in his room. You know what I'm saying? He was hearing all of these disses. From Cam. And he got tired of it. I'm sure as hell he got tired of it. And he was like, What more do you want from me? And he went into that studio. And he lit fire to that ass. In such a classic way. Over a classic beat too. And for those who don't know, that beat was used by Jay-Z on Blueprint 2 when he went at Nas. You know, and that and that this was my favorite. Like I put Blueprint Two over Ether. Yeah, I put Takeover over Ether, but that's just me. There's no bias there, I promise you. Cause I hated the beat for Ether. I thought that beat sucked so bad, yo. Like for real, it was just eh. I ain't playing that now. Like Remy got away with it. We're rocking on it because it was like a sense of nostalgia. Like, oh shit, we heard this song before. And she called it Sheether. And she went on Nicki Minaj. And she and she won that battle too. I don't care what nobody says. 
Especially not those annoying ass Barb fans that she got. Facts. But um, yeah. So I also wanted to talk about the idea of jugging. I think I made up the term jugging. Or if I heard it somewhere else, I'm not sure where I heard it from, so I'm going to take the credit for it because, you know, it's my show. So jugging to me is kind of like getting over, but getting over while people are conscious that you're getting over. And they just don't care that you're getting over, but you're just doing your thing. For example, a few years ago when Kanye linked with, um, with the clothing brand APC, and they sold everybody um, those white T-shirts, plain white T-shirts for $125. And people bought them. And I was like, yo, it's a plain white T-shirt for $125. Are you serious? But people bought them. Was it because it was Kanye? Yes. Was it because it was APC? Yes. Was it because... The price was like it's an exclusive item. Yeah, all people are just or just assholes with their money. It could be many, many reasons, you know. But at the same time, though I find it to be ludicrous, I couldn't hate because I said, you know what? Get your money out here. If people want to spend hundred twenty-five dollars on a white T-shirt, a plain white T-shirt, then go ahead, spend your money. Who am I to diss you? Who am I to shit on your plans? Nobody, you know, so because I um, because it happened again, I believe, off white, which is Virgil Abloh's clothing line. Shout out to Virgil Abloh, his son is like seriously out here getting his. So he had a pack of plain t shirts, and I think that they had like a little small logo on the upper right breast area, small logo, nothing, nothing massive. And I saw on Hypebeast that he was selling like a pack of like plain white t-shirts with those little logos on them for close to $500 per pack. So I shared it. I said, yo, like, yo, who's buying this? Like, why would you buy it? What, what was the reason for buying it? So my friends, of course, they chimed in. They had their comments on it. And my buddy was like the last to comment. He put in sold out like S 5,000 O's LD out I said get the fuck out of here let me go see this I went to the website dog dog let me say it again dog everything it was sold out and now was I was floored I was floored and I said god damn I'm like, Virgil Abloh, man. I got something to say to you, dog. You win. Because that was insane. But he jugged. He jugged. He knew how to rock it. He sold a product that people were like, yo, I got to have it. And they bought it. I can't hate for that. I can't hate. Because... Look, I'm not gonna, I can't tell anybody what to do with their money. No, it's none of my business. You spend money on what you want to spend money on. Like, if you want to stand outside all day, outside of a sneaker villa or 
um, finish line or whatever for like a pair of sneakers, like like a, some kind of Jordan retro re-release or whatever it is out there that's kind of hot. If that's what you want to do with your time and your money, I can't knock you for that. Do what you want to do because it's your life. Would I do that? No. Because if I had like $200 sitting around, listen, I'm either going to put it into renewing um, a passport, an LLC, a website, or I, I would invest it in me some, you know, some kind of way. But if I was like balling, a couple, couple M's in the bank, like stacked out, like stacked out stack house, then I might do that. I'm not going to wait in line for no kicks. Fuck that. But, you know, I might spend some bread on, you know, some luxury items. But only if, you know, I had, like, knock around chains like that. But if I'm, like, going from check to check, trying to pay my rent every month, F that. It's not how I'm getting down. But some people do. And it's not my place to be judgmental. You know, like I said earlier, I'm on my business. I make smoothies, and I'm on my business. That's that. Because there's no point in me getting involved in anybody's business or telling you how you should live your life or what you should and shouldn't do. Because sometimes people are going to do what they're going to do regardless of what you say to them. So, it is what it is. All facts. All facts. So, I was either going to go... Into the direction of like discussing my time in New Orleans, but I might say that for another podcast. I'm gonna tell you here right now, but now I feel like me having my time in New Orleans deserves like its own like podcast, like its own episode, like a quick 15, 20 minute episode. Me just putting it all out there. And just going into what my mind, where my mind was. And because that time period for me was just very, very transformative. Trust me, it was, it has ups and downs. Like I started on the up note, ended on a down note. But that was solely because of me and my actions. I take responsibility for what I take responsibility for. But, you know, nothing too bad. But you'll hear about it when you hear about it. So, yeah, I just want to do like this quick little podcast. Little quickie for the streets. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want to end this with a top five. My top five favorite rappers. And my top five favorite rappers are. The first three aren't in any order. And the last two... Are in order or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. But here it goes. So my first, my top three rappers are is Big Hov and Nas. I know that's cliche because everybody says that it's Big Hov and Nas or Big Pac and J or Big Pac and Nas or some people might throw Big L in there, Big Pun in there, whatever. You know. But for me, Big Hov and Nas. Well, my favorite because when I was trying to write raps and get into hip hop, like really, really get into it, those were the three that I listened to. And I tell you right now, like there's no album to me that I love more 
than Life After Death by Big. Reasonable Doubt, Blueprint, Volume 1, and I want to say even 444, American Gangster. There's a couple albums that Hove put out that I like, that I love. I think Reasonable Doubt, Blueprint, Black Album, Volume 1 are like my four favorites. I, mean, I got to go back through it again, but, you know, whatever. So with Nas, my favorite Nas albums, like people say Illmatic is like their favorite. Illmatic is cool. Don't get me wrong. Illmatic is a classic, but it's not like my favorite Nas album. My favorite Nas album is It Was Written. Because Nas even tell you himself that he liked It Was Written better than Illmatic. But for me, the writing improved. I like the beats more on that album. I'm not, no, I'm not dissing and saying that Illmatic and Peace weren't fired. But they were, but It Was Written was just fire. Like it, That song, Taking In Blood, stop it. Stop it. And even the R. Kelly remix um, of Street Dreams. Street Dreams, the first one was was dope to me too. But the Street Dreams remix, that was my that was my shit. Because I'm like, I'm born in 84, but 96 was like my one of my favorite years ever to be alive when it's playing. Not only was I like what, you know, TV shows, movies, whatever, but when it came to hip hop and rap, rap albums then, that was that. And that was like the Big Willie era. Right before Fresh Prince came out with his Big Willie style album, like the the real Big Willie era, when rappers was on that mafioso type shit, you know, like around the time period. Because I think um, Do or Die came out as Az's album came out ninety five, came out ninety five, and Reason with Doc came out ninety June ninety six. Yeah, so you had that, and you had it was written came out that same year. Pac's album came out, was it February 96? And Because I think it was written, came out in July 96. Yo, I'm pulling all these dates out of my ass. It's just amazing to me, but roll with me. Um, Dog Father, Snoop put out. Dog Father had some cuts on it. That was like, uh, I want to say November 96. A couple months after Pac died. I didn't really like Machiavelli that much because Machiavelli was like kind of like a negative album to me. Like I understand what, what was going into the album, why he made it, but like it was just it was just a very very angry album for me, man. I can't like it's some days I be chilling in the crib, I just want to relax. I can't put that shit on, bro. Like nah, I won't go outside and punch a kitten or something, man. That's not nice. That's not productive. You feel me? So yeah, like I said, those three rappers um, are my top three favorites. Oh yeah, I forgot another album I like by Nas. Stillmatic is like it's fire to me. Love Stillmatic, and his latest one. Oh man, the joint where uh, he has Khalees's like wedding dress on the front cover. I'm forgetting it, but if it was like life goes on, life goes on. It's like I do my Googles while I'm on my podcast. That's how you know, like I'm an old man. I should know this shit by now. Life is good. I don't believe I forgot that title. Simple as hell. Life is good. But yeah, so the other two, of course, um, to round out my list are Redman and Andre 3000. 
Yes, Redman Andre 3000. Redman to me is like a very, very underrated MC. Straight Jersey. You know what I mean? Jersey MC. Like, I'm telling you. The first album, Fire. It's like called What the Album. That came out in 92. The second one, 94, I think. And that one was called There is a Dark Side. That had a couple of joints on it. But my favorite Redman album is Muddy Waters. And that dropped in 90, late 96. Because my favorite song on the album is Pick It Up. I've been blasting that album ever since I got my hands on it. Because it's just, it's just fresh to me. I love that. And he just, and he followed a lot of people's styles too. Like you can tell he influenced like Ludacris. He influenced Eminem. You know, he, he was just that dude. And the fact he still, he and Method Man still have like some of the illest live performances. Says a lot for them as performers, artists. They really love their craft. As far as Andre 3000 goes, I might have to do a podcast about this too, damn it. Like his, um, his, does his disc of the love below? Crazy. Like, so speaker box love below. His disc was love below. And that to me encompassed so much about like love, you know, emotions, and, like things that, that, that men may go through when, you know, trying to do trying to like find love and dealing with lust it was so much it was so layered and i i love it and just his work with big boy with outcast was always fire and here's the thing about it like people tend to say oh dre 3000 is the man but i never want to say that and discredit big boy because big boy was just he was cool he was the player partner you know he was he never like I never heard him have a whack verse on the song. He always put his thing down. Always. But I think what really connects me with Andre is that Andre was a weirdo. He was. He was just he was just different. He had the wigs, the outfits. Like I'm a weirdo too. I have a weird I have a tattoo on my arm that says weird is new black. Because I count myself as a weirdo. Like I remember dude, I was getting made fun of for liking Pokemon in ninth grade, cuz. You serious? Look, I was Dreamcast out. I was Nintendo GameCube out in high school, man. I was the nerd. And I saw I called Flack because of that. But guess what? God damn it. It made me who I am today. So I'm cool with it. But with Andre 3000, man, he was just so far ahead of his time in terms of how he was dressing. And there's nobody else in the game was doing that. Nobody. I mean, besides him and Buster. But Buster was like just a wild, he just, he's just a wild, energetic person. You know, I can't really call Buster a weirdo. He was just, he was just different. Maybe I can't call Buster a weirdo. I can't. But Buster, after like he cut his dreads off, he was all brolic, you know, so he kind of faded away from all that. But his character was just like really kind of wacky in terms of his presentation, but his bars was always hard, you know, so yeah. I wonder if anybody ever has Buster in their top five or in their top ten. Because I was in the crib last night listening to The Coming, listening to Extension Level Event, the When Disaster Strikes album, and a bit of Anarchy. And I'm like, that four-album run was pretty fucking, pretty good. Pretty good. The production, like, just him overall, he, he, had, he had dope albums. But I don't know if people would ever put him on Mount Rushmore. Because after um, 
Anarchy, he did Genesis. That was on J Records. And I think that dropped in 2001. But that had a couple of Neptune singles on it. And he had Dilla was on it. Dilla's beats on that joint was crazy. Crazy. And because he had that um, Pasek of RCA on there was, uh, was another beat. But then Pharrell and them remixed it for Pasek of RCA Part 2. You heard it on the radio everywhere in 2001, 2002. After that album, he had It Ain't Safe No More. And Safe No More was a cool album. It had some radio singles on it. But like the Dilla joints and the Megahertz beats on there. I haven't heard from Megahertz in a while. Dope producer. But like the beats on there was fire. And after that, he did The Big Bang. I love The Big Bang. That was like his joint on Aftermath with Dr. Dre. And it was it was a crazy album. But after that, he did Back of My BS. I wasn't really feeling the album like that. And you know, I don't know what he's been. He's had a couple singles since then that were like fire. But I haven't heard any like a full-length project from him that was like, yo, my man Buster, he's back. Or he's, he's still doing it. So you know, whatever he's doing. You know, he's doing it, so whatever. But yeah, so that's the end of my podcast, man. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have anything else to really talk about. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's it, baby. It's over. Thank you. Catch you next week for episode eight. You're going to love it. I swear to God. Of course, to Water Rice Radio for giving me a platform. They've been very instrumental with uh, getting my name out there with the podcast. It's all been all love. Shout out to MP, the God, for making my intro and outro beats. Or actually, like, yo, he had a whole slew of joints. I was like, yo, let me get this, let me get that. I got them joints. So, yeah, that's it. I'm out of here, but before I get out of here, there's one thing, you know, that I want to say. Courtesy my man Morris Day. Now what time is it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm noxious, but whatever. I'm out of here. Peace and love.